Hi there, dear listener. Lazlo here with a quick pre-roll message for you. Before we get started, I want to let you know there are all kinds of convenient ways for you to support my efforts to bring you all these podcast shows on Chinese history, Chinese sayings, and tea history. If you go to my website at teacup.media and click the support button at the top, you'll find a bunch of ways to show some appreciation. There's Patreon, where you can get early access to new episodes, exclusive content, and an invite to the Teacup Media Discord channel, and more. CHP Premium, that also has early access, exclusive episodes, and ad-free versions of the entire CHP back catalog. Plus, there's several other ways to donate to the show as well. Check the episode show notes for a link to that very page. And my deepest thanks for listening and supporting me and my humble efforts. Greetings one and all, so happy you decided to return for one more priceless gem from the annals of Chinese history, a history that has provided us with so many wonderful Yu, like this one, Go Wei Xu Diao. Now this story may take a while to tell because it comes from one of the wildest, craziest, and bloodiest periods in early Chinese history, the late 3rd and early 4th centuries. What a raucous time that was. If you recall, the Qin Dynasty fell in 209 BCE, followed by the Han, 209 BCE to 220 CE, then the Three Kingdoms, 220 to 280. And our Chengyu, for this time, comes from that period that stretched from the final years of the Three Kingdoms to the end of the Western Jin. The stars of this tale are, of course, the Sima clan who dominated this period. And we have the Simas stooping to their lowest level in their colorful family history, who we must thank for today's offering. Go away, Xu Diao. And for the four characters that make up today's Chengyu, a Go is a dog, and a Wei is a tail. Go away, the tail of a dog, a dog's tail. Xu means to continue, or join, or add to. And a Diao is a sable, a kind of marten. Their fur has always been prized, especially in China, amongst the emperor and those highest-ranking officials who advised him personally. Some of these officials would wear these elaborate hats made from sable that had the tail of the animal hanging along the side. They were quite striking. So this is one of those Chengyus where there's absolutely no way for you to guess what it means just by listening to these four characters. Dog, tail, join, sable. So let's dive right into this sliver of Chinese history that, in the end, turned out to be so consequential as far as all the things that happened when it was all over. This story has a cast of thousands, so I'm going to advise you to refer to the handy list of terms that I painstakingly compile for you for each and every episode, no matter the CHP, THP, or CSP. I'll have the whole cast of characters listed there, and you could keep all the Simas, Yangs, and Cao's, and everyone else straight. If you recall your Three Kingdoms history, there was a loyal general and official to none other than Cao Cao himself, named Sima Yi, who also served subsequent Cao Wei emperors. Then came the year 249, when he utilized his power as regent to seize power in Cao Wei and essentially ruled the kingdom as a warlord. And then in 266, his grandson, Sima Yan, forced the last Cao Wei emperor, Cao Huan, to abdicate. 
and we remember Sima Yan today as the founding emperor, Jin Wu Di. Now, one of the first things Sima Yan did when he set himself up on the throne in Luoyang was to enfief a whole bunch of family members as princes and dukes, the rationale being that, well, they would surround him like a big layer of fat that would insulate him from any treachery sent in his direction by possible contenders. And depending on the rank he handed out, these enfiefed family members from the Sima clan had anywhere from 500 to 5,000 soldiers. So right away, knowing what we know, this is a recipe for disaster, but Jin Wu Di never lived to see it. And after he passed in 290, the Jin dynasty's fortunes will be impacted immediately. After a lot of cloak and dagger wrapped up in a web of deception concerning the heir to the throne, Sima Yan's mentally disabled son, Sima Zhong, became emperor. No mention of his specific mental affliction, but it was strongly inferred. It was sufficiently debilitating, whereby he had no business becoming the ruler of a country. But Jin Emperor Wu's wife, the Empress Dowager Yang, held the reins of power from behind the throne. And to back her up, she was allied with her father, the former emperor's longtime ally, Yang Jun. And both of them spoke up for her son, Sima Zhong, who was now the Emperor Hui. But Emperor Hui's wife, the Empress, yeah, she was a major force of nature and gave good old Empress Dowager Liu, Liu Hou, Han Gaozu's wife, you know, run for her money in the villainous and malevolent department. She was not happy at all with the emperor's mother and illustrious grandfather lording it over them. And she began to conspire at once how to get rid of those two. Empress Dowager Yang went and did what anyone in her position would do. She filled the imperial court and the government with Yang family relatives. So this wife of Jin Emperor Hui, named Jia Nanfeng, Empress Jia, in her determination to grab hold of the reins of power, conspired with a member of the Sima clan, namely Sima Wei, brother to the emperor. These two came up with a plan to do away with Empress Dowager Yang and her father. And the scheme called for Sima Wei to lead his troops into the capital in Luoyang, and Empress Jia would sit on her hands and let this provocative act happen. Then once Sima Wei and his troops were in place, Empress Jia had Empress Dowager Yang and her father, Yang Jun, summarily arrested. An edict was drawn up accusing them both of treason, whereupon Yang Jun was executed and the Empress Dowager Yang was locked away in a dungeon where she was starved to death. Mind you, this all comes from the Book of Jin, which wasn't compiled till 648, more than three centuries after the events took place. But in all these histories from so long ago, these official annals compiled by court historians, well, that's all we have to hang our hat on, for better or for worse. And whenever something of this nature goes down, that is, a coup d'etat, it's common to go after all the family members of the recently deposed. So Empress Jia gave the okay to execute 3,000 or so young family members in positions of authority around the empire. So the team of Sima Wei and Empress Jia made fast work of their rivals, and now the empress was able to control the destiny of China, beginning in 291. Then once she felt secure behind the throne, Empress Jia 
called on two old stalwarts of the Simas, Wei Guan and Sima Liang, to act as regents for Emperor Hui. Sima Liang was the fourth son of Sima Yi and grand-uncle to Emperor Hui. Both he and Wei Guan ruled as co-regents, and a sincere effort was made to do a good job. But Empress Jia would see none of that. She believed she was the ultimate authority for all matters regarding the Sima Jin dynasty, and she interfered with every decision these two made. Soon she began to conspire again with Emperor Hui's brother Sima Wei to help her get rid of Wei Guan and Sima Liang. Sima Wei and Empress Jia had formal charges presented that claimed these two regents were conspiring against Emperor Hui, and they moved swiftly to execute the loyal co-regents Sima Liang and Wei Guan. The blood was all on Sima Wei's hands, and he believed, for doing her bidding, the Empress Jia, well, she'd give him a promotion or something. But rather than a nice pat on the back, she stabbed him in the back instead. And in the summer of 291, year of the dog, appropriately enough, she had Sima Wei executed for the execution of Wei Guang and Sima Liang, something Sima Wei had done for the empress herself. So two-faced Empress Jia got to finally manage the affairs of the empire unopposed until the year 299. And one thing that dogged her, so to speak, was that she had not been able to sire any sons with her mentally incapacitated husband, Emperor Hui. But one of his concubines had that good fortune, and this lad's name was Sima Yu. And Empress Jia didn't like him for obvious reasons and sought to eliminate him. She managed to place this young prince, Sima Yu, under house arrest. Now enter Sima Lun, the youngest son of Sima Yi. Sima Lun was part of Empress Jia's loyal coterie of supporters. He and Empress Jia put their heads together, and he convinced her the best course of action was to have the crown prince Sima Yu killed. She liked that plan and signed off on it. And in the year 300, Sima Yu was indeed killed. But Sima Lun, being a rather evil guy himself... He was able to turn the tables on Empress Jia and had her role in all of this exposed. And she ended up getting arrested and had to pay for her crime by drinking poison. And for good measure, like it always was in these cases, Sima Lun had Empress Jia's family wiped out. So now with her out of the way and no one to protect the enfeebled emperor... Sima Lun declared himself the Grand Chancellor who ruled for the incapacitated Emperor Hui. And with aspirations of greatness in mind, Sima Lun made the fateful decision in 301 to put the Emperor Hui under house arrest, and he promptly declared himself the new emperor. The outrage all over the capital was beyond belief. It sent shockwaves throughout the empire, particularly within the Sima clan. Three Simas, Sima Jong, Sima Yong, and Sima Ying, joined together to lead the fight against Sima Lun, who had dared to follow in the footsteps of Wang Mang back in 9 CE in usurping the emperorship. Sima Lun knew from the very start that his claim to the throne was tenuous at best. Ever since he had deposed Empress Jia, he at once had tried to get everyone on his side. 
So before he made his power grab for the emperorship, he started passing out titles left and right, hundreds of them in every direction, even thousands. So from February 3rd to May 30th in the year 301, Sima got to be the emperor. And when it was all over, he was arrested by the opposition and promptly executed, as well as all his sons, too. As for the deposed Emperor Hui, now he was retrieved from his house arrest and plopped back on the throne and got to begin a second run as emperor. It's written that Sima Lun, well, he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer and was merely a pawn being controlled by other Simas or princes. But thanks to his power grab, we ended up with this Chengyu. Go away, shoot, yo. Because so many titles were handed out by Sima Lun in the run-up to his power grab, they ran out of sable fur to use for the hats that these high-ups wore as a sign of their office. So many were the officials appointed by Sima Lun, and so few was the supply of sable fur. Well, let me just quote from the Book of Jin, from the chapter Zhao Wang Lun Zhuan. Quote, Every lowly servant and foot soldier was given an official position. At the imperial morning assemblies, sable-trimmed official hats filled the room, and the common people created a saying to satirize the situation. There isn't enough sable fur to go around. Some of them have to use dog tails instead. So it's from this saying, Diao bu zu, go wei xu, that we get this cheng yu. Go wei xu diao. It's used in a derogatory sense to describe a court with too many officials, but it also came to be used in situations where a good first outing was followed up poorly by delivering nothing special. It's used as an idiom to describe a poor follow-up to what at first was considered highly prestigious and well-received, usually in a literary sense, like her first book was just incredible, but the second one was awful. Go away, shoot, yo. Same thing could be said about lousy movie sequels. You know, for the sake of keeping this from spinning out of control, I left out three quarters of the details. I'm telling you, the Western Jin and the Qin Dynasty, as soon as the founder died, it's like the dynasty fell off the edge of the table. The Western Jin ended up lasting for quite a bit longer than the Qin, but by 311, it was over for the Simas and their Western Jin. This period in Chinese history that lasted 291 to 306 is known as the War of the Eight Princes. Founding Emperor Wu, a.k.a. Sima Yan, he thought he was doing the right thing, setting up all his family members with their own personal armies, but that backfired as soon as he died, and they spent the next 15 years trying to kill each other. So intense was the internecine warring. These Sima princes went so far as to make... All these alliances with several non-Han tribes from the north of China's borders. These rough people from the Mongolian steppe and Ordos region were remembered as the five barbarians, the Wuhu, and so violent and murderous was their takeover of northern China after the fall of the western Jin. It caused a mass migration of northern Chinese to the safety of southern China, south of the Yangtze River. And among those who kept running all the way to southernmost China were the Hakka people, who resumed their traditional northern language and culture in Guangdong, Fujian, Jiangxi, Guangxi, and elsewhere. So, Go Wei, Xu Diao, 
When you have too many officials and positions and not enough work to go around, go away, shoot, deal. When a rock star comes out with a great record and follows that one up with a bomb, go away, shoot, deal. And anything that's a poor substitution or replacement for a formerly highly regarded work, go away, shoot, deal. Okay, such a complicated story is this one. It's no wonder we had to go deep into extra time to tell it. The end of the Three Kingdoms to the end of the War of the Eight Princes and the Western Jin. What a crazy half century that was. Okay, that's the Chengyu for this time. Thanks to Emma and the Chengyu Yanjiu Zhongxin working behind the scenes. I already have a good one queued up for next time. You won't want to miss that one. I wouldn't. This is Laszlo Montgomery signing off from Los Angeles in Leitador, inviting you to come back next time for another entertaining and informative episode of the Chinese Sayings Podcast.